Grumpy Old Geeks. A weekly talk show hosted by Brian Schulmeister and Jason DeFilippo, discussing the finer points of what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame. Welcome to Grumpy Old Geeks for July 31st, 2015. I am Jason DeFilippo. And I am, as of yesterday, the currently underemployed Brian Schulmeister. What happened, Brian? Well, that wonderful, awesome project that I've been working on for the past seven to eight months has sadly collapsed and will not be occurring anymore. And as of yesterday, I am no longer working on it. Oh, no. Yeah, it's time for me to find another J-O-B. Man, that sucks. It does suck. But, uh, you know, that's the world we live in now, which is an article I found on Salon that I find really interesting. We talk about this all the time, and the title from this one hits home particularly after yesterday. Your job will never love you. Stress and anxiety in our frightening new job world. Oh, my. Yes, it's another lovely read about how basically companies don't give a shit about us, and you're on your own, and good luck with that. That seems to be a theme. It is. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice read. I mean, it's a... Uh, it's not a very nice read. It's a terrible read. <laughs> no, it's a terrible read, but it's very true, and it will prepare you for the job world that actually exists now, as opposed to the one that people still promote, that we pretend that still exists, that our parents had, which is one where you have a lifelong employee, and there's mutual trust and respect, and we all take care of each other. That does not exist anymore. It is a dog-eat-dog world. Yes, it is. So if you uh, <laughs> want to get really depressed about the, your uh, about your current job, go ahead and read that. Okay. I, I think I'll pass. Okay. Uh, well, actually, I can't pass. I already read it. <laughs> yeah. I so I found this art, interesting article on The Colonel, which kind of goes back to something we talked about uh, several shows ago. Mm-hmm. Um, just talking about, you know, uh, how Wi-Fi is affecting people. And we, I mean, even going back to like, what, episode five or six, talking about that story where the Wi-Fi was killing the plants. Yeah, I, I, we did talk about that one. And then a couple months ago, it seems like there was a study that came out that said it does absolutely nothing. Exactly. And this is a story on electromagnetic hypersensitivity. Yeah. And then, you know, the nocebo effect and all that stuff. And it's, I, I have no idea if any of this means anything, but it's, it's an interesting read, I just have to say. I, I scanned through it. I read through it. Uh, I, there, there are far too many words in this article, by the it's way. It's a very long article to say we really don't know what the hell's going on. And it's funny. Illustration by Jay Longo. <laughs> it should have been written by Jay Longo. Yes. Uh, you know, this this I put in there with like the peanut allergies. It's amazing how none of this stuff really affected anybody a long time ago. And I, I don't think uh, all credible science says that nothing is happening. That this is no big deal. And uh, look at the reality. If if it is, what, we're going to stop using Wi-Fi? And we're all blanketed in it 24-7 now anyway, so we're screwed no matter what. Yep, pretty much. Go live in the woods by yourself. The problem will take care of itself in a couple generations. <laughs> That's true. So I thought this was a pretty important week in terms of, of what happens online and uh, privacy and morality and... Uh, learning to mind your own goddamn business or is that just completely and utterly gone oh it's been gone dude it's been it's long gone well that seems to really be the theme of the week uh we'll we'll go ahead and start with with walter palmer and the dentist who uh, yeah the lion fucker he killed the lion you know which is horrible and yes super super bad is it just me or did the entire fucking internet go absolutely Fat shit insane and absolutely hate this guy. He's like public enemy number one right now. Well, the, we this problem. week, this week. Before it was the guy from GoDaddy who killed the elephant. Then right. it was before that it was Justine Sacco who, you know, flew to South Africa 
to, to, to the worst landing of all time. Yes. Um, there's this is this has all happened before, and it will all happen again. I hate to say it, but it's it. it, it uh, I know, but it seems to be ramping up in terms of ex- extremity and and just insanity. Um, yeah, this guy's a horrible guy. What he did is absolutely horrible. Does he deserve to get doxxed? No. Well, technically, what he did was poaching, so. Well, yeah. <laughs> he broke the law, and but, but last, I know, I know. Last, last I heard, we had institutions like police and authorities to take care of these things. We don't take it into our own fucking hands. And that's what everybody does now. Everybody thinks they're entitled to go ahead and do whatever the fuck they want to somebody they don't like anymore. Well, it's you know, it's... Welcome to the Internet Vigilante uh, Society. Well, I, this is not a society I'm happy about at all, and I think it's absolutely ridiculous. And it's it's difficult to talk about because uh, what you're basically doing is you're is you're defending people that kind of suck and are doing horrible things. But somebody has to. I, this is kind of bullshit. There's there's a couple stories that came out this week besides the, this Dennis getting doxxed, which you know, let the authorities take care of it. Yes, he's a horrible person. Don't. Don't don't take it into your own hands. Then we had the the two sisters at a baseball game who were sitting behind a couple and they were reading the wife's cell phone while she was basically sexting somebody else. And then they took it upon themselves to let the husband know, which in and of itself, okay, fine. Give a note to the husband. But they didn't stop there. They had to document them being heroes and put it all over the internet. So it's everywhere. And this caught on like wildfire, of course. So this poor guy... It's bad enough that his wife was basically cheating on him or whatever, sexting with somebody else. But now he's been publicly humiliated everywhere. I mean, everyone knows. This is absolutely ridiculous. And then there was another story. Another one. This, this is over in England. And this is a, a guy who was on his plane. And he did the same thing. He was reading texts from a chick in front of him. And she was basically bragging that she cheated on her boyfriend twice. And he got the name and then he tweeted it and he's, you know, he was very specific, you know, to the guy's name, Dom, whose girlfriend just landed at the East Midlands airport coming back from Zante. Your girlfriend cheated on you twice and boasted about it on the plane. Laugh my ass off. What is wrong with people? Well, I mean, if you want to even go back further, you can go back to Reddit who, you know, they, they were doing their amateur sleuthing, mislabeled the Boston bomber. And then the guy ended up killing himself. You know, this is, yeah. this is just the, this is the world we live in. And it comes down to personal responsibility. If you, if these people are assholes, honest, yeah. I mean, that's it. You can't, you can't, you know, you can't you, engineer around assholes. All you people who think that you're doing a wonderful thing out there, you're as bad as the people that you're trying to, to basically shame. Stop it. Let him or her whom is without sin cast the first tweet, say I. <laughs> It's I mean it's just really really bad and there's a great uh, there's a great article in Salon about it which uh, Twitter vigilante's gone bad stop live tweeting takedowns of harmless strangers in public uh, because you know it's it's gone beyond like major things it's just if if you're unhappy with someone now about anything you you post it publicly and you post photos of them and you post information about them and this is not this is not the society is this the society we want for ourselves well is this what we want. I mean, we've we've talked about privacy in the past in a different context, you know, with uh, Steve Rombaum's video, uh, Privacy is Dead, Get Over It. Well, we that was in context of security and personal information. But now it's like everybody in public is like, you know, the neighborhood watch of the Internet. And they just yeah. but, you know, yeah, you go back to their place. They're probably doing shit that's just as bad. It's like the senator who bashes gays and then gets, you know, stooped in the bathroom. It's the same <laughs> problem. People, yeah. people are inherently shitty, I think, is what this really comes down to. 
It really is. I mean, it's one of those things where uh, the whole hope of all of this was to have a more open and free society. And now we're fucking that up and we're making it more and more closed and more and more puritanical and more and more insane. It's it, we all have to follow anybody else's standards of morality or decency or whatever, just because now everybody has the power to take everybody else down. And instead of like being aware of that and just going, all right, maybe we should all just mind our own fucking business and move about our lives unless somebody is actually actively causing us pain. Instead, we're going completely the other direction. Now we're all celebrities. I think, yeah, I just think everybody should let their freak flag fly and just, you know, do whatever the fuck they want. And then if somebody calls you out on it, say so. Yeah, it's none of your goddamn business. There is that, you know, you got to You got to go down swinging. Um, but we talked about this book on the show before. Uh, so you've been publicly shamed by John Ronson. I haven't gotten to it yet, but I thought it tied into what we were talking <laughs> about very well. Well, the, the title certainly does. And it's something I'd be interested in reading because this is uh, who knew that this would be if you I would never would have guessed like five years ago that this would be what would just the norm now. It's the norm. It's you, you just call out people whenever the fuck you want to. I think Adam Carolla's got to be, you know, just doing a doing a jig in the end zone right now because this is what he wanted. He wanted everybody to call everybody out and shame them publicly. And guess what? It's happening. Yeah, I mean, I, he is big on the public shaming and he misses it. But I don't think he's ever the point that he was never making wasn't just like everybody, anybody just doing anything. It was more bigger institutions. It's more shaming the people that are shaping our lives. It's, it's big topic shaming, not, not small personal shit that doesn't matter. Not at the individual level. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, we covered this on last week's episode, and I wanted to put a little follow-up here. This is about the drones that grounded the firefighting planes and helicopters. Mm -hmm. uh, the county is offering a $75,000 reward to catch the pilots who uh, were flying those drones. Now, so. see, they're worth shaming. Mm -hmm. It's drone pilots. These are the people that should be publicly shamed. I agree with that. Catch them. Get them out of there. Uh, post horrible pictures of them. Don't dox them because that's still too much. But yeah, let's catch them and let's let's find those assholes. Definitely. Mm -hmm. um, so you may have noticed after four years, I think, of not using LinkedIn, I have returned. I did notice because I got one of my rare, you've received uh, an invitation to connect on LinkedIn emails. So you and I are connected. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm glad we're connected now. But have, haven't we like determined that LinkedIn is really useless? So why, why did you come back? Because there are certain aspects of it that I need in my new position, in my new job. As, as a, yeah, I was gonna say, as a programmer, I never needed it. But yes, now I do. I just literally... <laughs> literally an email just came in from jordan harbinger asking me to join his linkedin network <laughs> that bastard is linked like hooking up with you and he hasn't even accepted my friend request yet i'm gonna have a i'm gonna have a talk with my boss oh uh, you gotta you gotta use your terminology right you're not friends on linkedin you're connected oh connected okay well uh, can I, I get some likes on linkedin maybe some some favorites or re relinks <laughs> no but you can you can certainly publish your uh your your ideas and thoughts for free and they'll make money off of it yeah i won't be doing that yeah. No. So, yeah, I, I mean, I just never left LinkedIn. I'm still there. And, you know, now that I am underwhelmingly employed, perhaps LinkedIn could be useful for me. <laughs> Get a fucking yeah. life. No, <laughs> no. For 10 years, I was on LinkedIn as a programmer and I never got a single job offer that panned out or was useful in any way, shape or form. But now I need it because I'm talking to a lot of people yeah. and it really helps to be able to connect with a bunch of different people because I am now very social in my in my job. and. Uh, <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah that, I mean, that is something that I will begrudgingly admit that LinkedIn is somewhat useful for. It's it's kind of like a social network for adults in the real world. Yeah, honestly, yes, it is. Yeah, except you're not social. It's just a way to verify who people are and you can read a little bit about them and what they've actually done as opposed to what they had for lunch. Yeah, mainly for research. For me, it's great for research mm-hmm. and, you know, just getting to know people and getting to know connections. So if I need to meet somebody, I can use LinkedIn to get an introduction to them to get to know them and meet them. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll be talking about that more in a future episode. But um, yeah, I'm back. So if uh, you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, I'm there, linkedin.com slash jpdefilippo, I believe. That's my, my personal URL. And I'm connected to your boss before you were. Yeah, I got I to gotta have a word with him about that. <laughs> so we, we covered DoorDash on a previous episode, so I wanted to have a little follow-up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, avoid. Avoid like the plague. Yeah. Uh, you know, mm, bad, I, bad, 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 bad service. I actually did a little bit of research uh, on some of the other ones just because I was uh, I was hungry and lazy a couple days ago. And the price point on like Eat24 or uh, any of the other ones, it's just, it's too expensive. It's not worth it. It's different if like, say I was having a party or some other people were over. But for me just to get my lunch by myself, it's way too damn expensive. Yeah, I, I was having a party. I had a bunch of people over and we wanted to get some Mexican. So we called up and said, give me some El Torito. And they went and they brought it back. And uh, it, I've got pictures of all this. Maybe I'll post them in the show notes. Maybe I won't. Who knows? But uh, my $14 soft taco plate came back with a one single soft taco in a sad little shell that had obviously been under a heat lamp for about six days. The burritos were fine. Everything else was fine. But that one part of the order was completely wrong. and. You know, I blame the driver. The driver didn't check the order. So they delivered it. And I just, you know, I didn't, I didn't check it. So that was a little bit on me until I got inside and they were gone. So then I, 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 but here's the thing. I immediately called customer service. I'm like, okay, let's, let's do this like an adult. I'm going to pick up the phone and I'm going to make a phone call. Nobody answered. If nobody answers for a 24 seven, you know, customer service facing business, Mm -hmm. gloves are off. So ended up having to go through the app and get another reorder. The reorder, the the interesting thing on DoorDash is they show you, okay, order is at the kitchen. Cooks are preparing. Driver picked up. Driver delivered. Right. El Torito is 1.3 miles from my house. (laughs) The driver took 22 minutes to get here. It was cold, and they'd carried it basically sideways and upside down for most of the trip. So everything was, was, it was a mess. So, yeah, and that was the free reorder. So, but we called El Torito and we're like, hey, what are you guys doing with these guys? They'd never heard of them. So what DoorDash does is they've got basically people who are ordering for you. You call them or you put it into the app. They phone in the order. Yeah. And then somebody comes and picks it up. Yeah. Under the name of probably the driver. So we called El Torito and they're like, we have no idea who these people are. We've never heard of them. We're really sorry that your order was screwed up. So come in, have a free meal on us even though they had no reason whatsoever to do anything for us. And they're like, yeah, come on in. And we're like, now that's customer service. DoorDash, on the other hand, fuck you guys. Yeah, I've been in restaurants multiple times uh, at when people, when these services come in to pick things up. And I, I not once have I ever seen the driver actually open up the bag and look through it and check things. Yeah, they just grab and go. Never seen it. So, but, um, you know, I don't even know if they have access to the order. It's just like, go pick up this and take it here. Probably. I mean, that's, you know, this is our new economy. This is what we do. Yeah. But uh, hey, thanks for the invite to the party. 
Yeah, I just wanted to bring that up because DoorDash is heavily papering Los Angeles. Like everywhere you go, you see flyers for them. So I just wanted to give this give this notice to all of our Los Angelino friends or any other city that they go to that uh, it's kind of crappy. Yeah, I, I don't use any of those services. Get off your ass. Walk well, there. Go pick it up. Sometimes you had a few cocktails and you want a burrito. So I understand the need for a delivery service like this. But generally, good restaurants will just deliver. So, um, have you been listening to Planet Money? Uh, no, not recently. Okay, I, I I've been listening to it a lot, strangely. Um, so a couple couple issues that came up. We were talking about self driving cars on many many an episode, and they were talking about a ride that they got to take in a Google self driving car. Okay. You know the little the, the the new ones, those little yeah. horrible concoctions. And they were going through a construction zone and a, a construction worker flipped his sign from slow to stop. And the car just jammed on his brakes and stopped. Okay. Okay. Now, I think that this is ripe for a hack. You think? <laughs> Come on. I All mean. to do is go down to the Home Depot and pick up a little sign and uh, you could start messing around with people big time. Oh, my God. Especially when these things get on the freeway. Oh, and you're, you're driving along 70 miles an hour that you get in front of a self-driving car and you just stick your hand out the window with a stop sign and the thing jams on the brakes. Yeah, there's there's some kinks that they're going to have to work out here. Yeah, this will this will be interesting. I mean, yes, they could probably, you know, figure out the telemetry on the sign and figure out if the sign is moving or whatnot. But anyway, if you're just walking down the street and you see a Google car come by and you just hold up your stop sign and just go, you're not going anywhere, motherfucker. Yeah, good times. Yeah, there's another one about the water situation in California. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this is I consider this a dick move. Most of the farmers in Central California right now are planting the most water-hungry crops that they can possibly plant. Pistachios, nuts, and all that stuff. Yeah, almonds in particular. There's yeah. lots and lots of almonds because they make a lot of money. And I, I'm so sick of being, like, browbeaten and shamed as a Californian about, like, taking showers or or things like that when... Uh, wh- anything that you and I could do doesn't make a dent. Nope, not at all. All these privately owned farms that are basically just doing one crop, which is the most water-hungry crop in existence because it's the most money for them. You, we got a water problem? Great. Stop, start shutting down these farms. Yeah, and, and I mean, they're tapping into the aquifers, and they've actually gone to oil drilling companies now because they used to have to go down 200 feet to get to the water. Now they have to go down 2,000 feet to get to the water. Yeah, you don't miss and it's like, Yeah, well, we've got El Nino coming. Maybe this will all fix itself. That's true. It's supposed to be a hot, sticky, rainy week here in California. So well, we'll a hot, sticky, rainy winter in California. Mm-hmm. So, um, and just because we have to, I, I funded cards for mindfulness are from our friend Rohan Gunatalaki, you know, from Budify. Yes. I got my update this morning that's shocking. They're behind schedule. Yeah, well. Kind of miss our Kickstarter segment. I did too. We stopped it for so long, but now there's so much more news about it again. And, and it all just continues the way that we predicted it would. Uh, maybe it's time for a uh, reboot. In the news. My favorite social network, at least in terms of design and functionality, has finally admitted it's going away. Somewhat. Let's not say it's going away. Google Plus is still going to exist in a fashion. Yes, with nobody really using it. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, Google has finally announced that it's no longer going to force people to use a Google Plus account 
when basically using Google for any of Google's services. I used to, you had, you automatically got a Google Plus account to use YouTube or anything else in existence. So they're finally going to decouple those things. And knowing how Google usually works with these sort of things, it's it's going to be a freaking mess for a long time and nothing's going to make any sense. It is going to be a fuster cluck because Google has a history of not knowing how to deal with all of this account stuff. I mean, it's like, ugh. You know, still, if you use Google Analytics, still to this day, you have to sign into that separately from your own Google account. Oh, yeah, same thing. Just across the board, it's a mess. It's a total mess. And I could never figure out how YouTube worked, and that was a problem with a bunch of clients. Once it, It just gets incrementally worse when when you start adding in like client accounts like i have seven different google accounts that i sign in and out of depending on who i'm working for at the moment so that's just a mess 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 but yeah uh, i mean i've got three youtube accounts and all my videos are distributed differently because i didn't know who i was logged in as when i uploaded and there's no way to consolidate it no there's not it's it's a mess yeah but at least they're going to get rid of one uh google plus will probably still stick around i guess in some way shape or form or basically as it is but i mean it's just going to be it's going to be an LO. You know, people are just going to stop posting there. Google LO. <laughs> Something like that. Weak. <laughs> it was pretty weak. Uh, yeah, but it's it's going to stick around. And they've already decoupled photos. Yeah. But whatever. You know, nobody goes there anyway for their social. No, no, they do not. Uh, so I also want to give a tip of the hat to uh, Dr. David Teeter, friend of the show, who sent a link last night uh, to both of us, which was kind of funny. Uh, this is off Engadget, and uh, somebody did a study and found out that basically some of the cars on Uber's maps don't really exist. Shocking. So you'll see a bunch of cars floating around, but that doesn't exactly mean there are that many drivers really around. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Yeah. They just they just throw in some random numbers and say, yeah, let's put a car here, a car there, and make them think that there's somebody coming for you. Yeah, they're just gamifying it, right? Yeah. I need I need my Uber badge, the you have been duped badge. <laughs> Yeah. And then there was a uh, article in in on Slate in their money box area, which is a, a particular part of the site that I enjoy because it delves into business and economics. That it sounds said, kind of filthy. Yes, it's my <laughs> money box. Uh, if I could make money with my money box, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> the rise of the gig econ- economy is a giant myth. So this goes through the real numbers on uh, the number of people that are actually doing things like Ubering full time as uh, as as the myth seems to go right now that all these uh all we're gonna do is pick up these tiny jobs that then that'll somehow pay for everything. No, that's a load of crap. Most people are still working full time for for real companies. Yeah, I was looking at those charts and they're kind of interesting how you know everything has been kind of trending down, like people having their own jobs and having multiple jobs is trending down, and people are sticking with actual companies. But there's one thing I think that they kind of glossed over: mm-hmm. uh, unemployment. Yeah, because they, they, yeah, nobody has a real job. Everybody's just unemployed. Yeah, they they that could they could use that on the graph as well because I'm sure that that would be an upswing. In fact, we know it is because we know the numbers and otherwise. So yeah, so there are uh, more people are just unemployed and they're not doing this kind of bullshit where they work for Uber or Lyft or whatever else or you know the the food service that screws up your El Torito orders. <laughs> so yeah, so that's not really happening. That's uh, that's all just big internet bullshit buzz. Okay, so your next one that you put in here is can jet.com take on Amazon and win? Uh, I, you know you know my my stance on the question. Yes, if it ends with a question, then the answer is no. And I would tend to agree with that. Uh, I had not even heard of jet.com until I saw this article. So then I signed up and took a look at it. And it is, uh, mm, yeah, mm, no, I don't think Amazon has to worry. Oh, I'm sure Amazon does not have to worry. But they're saying that they're algorithmically uh, 
enabled to give you better prices on different things. The video is really funny. They got the guy from Silicon Valley in there to do it. And it's like a five minute video that we're going to put in the show notes because it's actually pretty funny. Yep. Um, but I think the, the best quote is perhaps most concerning lore him. Lore is the one of the, the, the guy who started it. Lore himself has acknowledged that in order for Jet's business model to work, the company has to sell $20 billion worth of items annually. Yeah, and I don't know if you even spent five minutes looking through Jet.com, but uh, they're never going to sell that much stuff. I didn't even bother signing up. I get enough spam. Although, if this lore guy is actually the evil data from Star Trek Next Generation, I'm intrigued again. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> uh, speaking of crazy-ass people uh, with a lot of <laughs> Elon Musk, uh, Gave a speech at, uh, where, where was it? Uh, he joined Stephen Hawking and over a thousand others basically to propose the ban on researching autonomous weapons, which I, I think we can all get behind. We're, we don't like that idea. The, the whole concept of uh, basically having a, a gun on a drone is terrifying uh, in many levels. But this yeah, Especially article, if you live in Pakistan right now because they've been dealing with it for how many years? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so this is not a good idea. We don't like this. But uh, the real thing that was interesting about it is this article goes in a little bit deeper and says that the reason that a lot of these people don't want to want the ban on this stuff is not because they'll actually exist, but because there's a limited amount of money and research priorities, and they don't want us to focus on that. We want other things. Right. They, they want to take it away. They don't want to take the brain power away from the private sector who are with the people who are trying to do good with AI and yes. put it in the hands of the military and, you know, basically have the smartest people in the world figuring out, figuring out how to kill each other. Yeah. So that's a that's an interesting point of view. And, and once again, I think uh, Musk is nailing it. So I'm happy. Yeah. Check out the Future of Life Institute. I've, I've went through some of their stuff this week and they've got some interesting, you know, petitions you can sign. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it'll do anything, but it's worth worth checking out because these are the people that are really worried about. Um, you know, AI actually going and taking a wrong turn. Yes, I'm sure that signing the petitions online will have about as much effect as you posting your opinions on Facebook. Yeah, you know, I I, I went to sign a petition on change.org about getting the Cracker Barrel renamed, and I still see Cracker Bells. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Now, we do have some good news for once. Okay, <laughs> bring it on because I could use some. Intel and Micron have debuted a new storage technology, which is a thousand times faster than current uh, solid state digital storage. This is this is really cool. It is cool as shit. Yeah, it's called 3D Crosspoint, Mm -hmm. even though it's spelled X point because, you know, yeah, there's too many vowels in cross. (laughs) God forbid we have any technology that doesn't have doesn't drop uh, letters these days. Anyway, yeah. it is super cool, and I can't wait for this stuff to come out. It's it, it's pretty revolutionary. Yeah, no, definitely check this one out. And it actually came from CNET, which I haven't seen in a very long time. I'm like, wow, so you posted a CNET link. I'm like, holy shit. Remember when we used to go to CNET for like everything? They had the best like tech reviews and and then all the pricing and everything. And I haven't gone to CNET probably in five or t- five years or so until this article. Dude, I remember watching CNET TV on USA at night, like after Silk Stalkings. <laughs> And uh, oh, watch, and watching a young Ryan Seacrest host some of the shows. I, I, I've been with CNET since the beginning. And Halsey Miner, one of the founders of CNET, was an investor in one of my companies until he didn't pay his taxes and they took all our money away. And I think they confiscated his plane. Wow. Yeah. Good story. <laughs> well, if you, go, if you go to the list of uh, top uh, people in California who owe back taxes, he's been at the, he was at the top of the list for years. Yeah. Yeah. And we took his money. Nice. 
let's let's talk a little bit about iTunes or and and their their bloated horrible system, which is still not working for me on my PC because of my large library, which is very frustrating. And I don't know if that's ever going to get fixed. Um, there's an article by Robinson Mayer in the Atlantic that talks about the tragedy of iTunes and classical music. Now, I would make an argument first off that. Uh, I wouldn't blame the tragedy of, of the horrible state of classical music in, in digital or electronic form on iTunes in and of itself. It's horrible everywhere. Uh, nobody has ever really done a good job of actually creating a decent system for classical music in terms of, you know, what you're basically looking at, at is uh, you've got one title, but 17,000 different performances of it by different uh, orchestras, by different conductors, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So how do you, how do you, figure out all this stuff? How do you sort through it all? And there's there's never really been a good solution because the tagging systems that we've uh, used are just, uh, they didn't really cut it and people don't use it correctly and people don't use it right. And uh, he goes into great detail about how this is basically almost impossible to keep any sort of track with on in iTunes at all. So, and uh, he proposes what you and I have always proposed, which is somebody needs to basically, Apple needs to basically strip down the entire thing and rebuild it from the ground up. Yeah, definitely. I'm surprised Pono didn't take this and run with it because they're all about high quality music. That that would have been a natural market for them, actually. Is to, in fact, if if it's if, actually what's funny, I'm on the Pono homepage right now, and they have an entire classical section. Yeah, that so is funny. If Neil Young would like to pivot his Pono, <laughs> I would uh, I would position it basically just as a classical music system, and I think you'd uh, do quite well for it in the very limited market in which you would be able to sell. But it would actually work, and you'd have a niche product that people liked. Hmm, there you go. That one's free, Neil. Yeah, and people who like classical music like high-definition audio. So, I mean, it's a, it's a perfect fit. Yes. Anyways, point being. Yes. One other thing about this article that really annoyed me, and this happens more and more these days, uh, probably because the state of online journalism is so horrible and uh, the actual author of articles rarely write the titles or the little blurb that goes underneath it, as, as somebody else does. Um, the second line, the, the title of this article is The Tragedy of iTunes Classical Music. Then the little blurb, the new version of Apple's signature media software is a mess. No problem with that. Article totally talks about that. Second line, what are people with large MP3 libraries to do? Next to nothing in this article about large MP3 libraries or issues with that. Just one basic thing that said uh, they've phased out large large players, so you have to stream. But that's not really a big issue because most of the classical stuff is out there too, and you can just pick it up. Uh, not really part of the problem here. Not the, the SEO team wrote that second line. Yeah. There, there's nothing in the article that really has anything to do with that, so that's freaking annoying. And that's actually why I went to go read the article in the first place, because as we've discussed, my problem with Apple Music is I have a large library and it does not work. Yeah, no, I, I guarantee you the SEO team wrote that line. Yeah. 1,000% because they know that it's a trending topic with iTunes and they did their research and they're like, okay, large MP3 libraries, people can't do it, so let's let's clickbait it in there or SEO bait it. Yeah, so that's some bullshit right there. Okay, I found an article this morning that I haven't finished yet, but it looks promising. So redef.com, uh, it started out as a newsletter. We talked about it a bunch. I love, I love my newsletter every day. They have great articles in it, and they've started to do original content because mm -hmm. uh, apparently they, somebody in Silicon Valley gave them a bunch of money. Or the, I mean, the guy comes from MySpace, or, so maybe he got 20 bucks when he left and started this. It's called Less Money, Mo Music, and Lots of Problems, A Look at the Music Biz by Liam Bollock. I've never heard of Liam Bollock, but uh, so far it was a pretty good read. I'm about halfway through, so I'm just throwing it in here so people can check it out. 
Yeah, I, I, I saw that you put it in this morning and I haven't had too much of a chance. I did try to scan over the entire thing uh, without doing a super deep read. But uh, this basically, um, this looks like uh, a long form version with lovely charts and graphs and uh, a little bit more depth and detail of everything that we've said about the music industry since we started this podcast. Exactly. But they've got funding and we don't. So they'll be taken seriously and we won't. So that's why I just wanted to put it in. And they made some pretty graphs. Yes, we don't do graphs here at the Art of or not <laughs> Jesus. Okay, can you tell that I've I've, I've my day job has kind of melded into Yeah. No, this is a again, I, from what I've seen it's a really really good article. Um I'm going to do a deeper dive on this and we may or may not talk about this again next week uh depending on if there's anything specific in here. Uh, I just like to throw this out to Redef team. Um you know, grumpy old geeks are available for content creation. Absolutely. Well, half of the Grumpy Old Geeks team is. Well, this, this guy certainly is at the moment. Security? Ha! Normally, I basically just uh, sit back and relax and let Jason go apeshit on this section, but uh, I think you've started to infect me a little bit with your paranoia. I'm sorry I, I take away from your checking your email time during the show. Uh, usually Facebook. Okay. Uh, but I found a few this time around. Uh, we've talked about air gapping before and how that's basically game over for everyone. Uh, researchers hack air gap computer with simple cell phone. Okay. How so? Well, there's a very long article on wired.com about it. <laughs> you didn't get or what? <laughs> oh, I read through it, but yeah, okay. I don't really understand it. This is way above my pay grade. Okay. Since you don't get paid, that's not hard. Exactly. So neither do I. So I, I just kind of glanced at it. Yeah, we've talked about air gap computers uh, being uh, vulnerable from many different uh, avenues. Some using the the built in speakers on the computers and yeah, all sorts of stuff. But I tell you what, these goddamn Israelis they, these are the guys that keep coming up with the, the the ways to break the air gapped computers. I swear, every air gap story we have starts with the words "an Israeli researcher." Most of the security stuff does these days, let's be honest. But uh, yeah, definitely they're they're definitely looking into this hardcore. Uh, but they basically found out that. Uh, uh, you can use a basic corporate-owned cell phone with voice and text messaging features with no camera, video, or Wi-Fi capability, and you can still do it. I, this is beyond unbelievable to me. Yeah, well, it's not to me. <laughs> and by the end of this segment this week, uh, I think uh, you'll understand why. So let's be, let's be honest here. Black Hat is going on right now, or getting ready to start. Black, yeah. Black Hat and DEF CON, and every time th this year, or every year, it always has the best stuff. Because everybody's like kind of releasing what they're going to talk about. And it's just like, oh, Christmas. no, it is Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, here's a new one. Uh, researchers prevents, or, uh, present system for high-speed anonymous browsing. So Chen Chen from Carnegie Mellon and George Danzes of uh, the University College in London and a couple other, oh, shit, a lot of other people. Basically, they've built a new system called Hornet, which is a low-latency onion routing system that it kind of is a replacement for Tor. Right. Um, there is a very dense uh, white paper along with this. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, yeah, it's basically, they say Hornet nodes can process anonymous traffic at over 93 gigabits per second. Um, and it's, it's a Tor replacement, which is, and it's got end-to-end -end encryption, and it's supposed to be much better than Tor. Now, the problem with that is, oh, yeah. you, go ahead, go ahead. No, I, I, I have a question for you. For you. Yes. Um, actually, no, but uh, more for for everyone. Do we really think that at some point, uh, Tor or this alternative Hornet are going is going to replace the standard internet? 
Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it, though? Yeah, it would be nice. But the problem is, it's not. And as as you and I have stated before, when we were even just talking about Tor, you kind of don't want to even install it and get on there because, in general, it's all nefarious deeds. Yeah, welcome to the watch list. Exactly. So, but it doesn't matter anymore because <laughs> they've got new browser plugins that can basically figure out who you are by the way you type, even on Tor. Now, see, that is not surprising to me. I've always felt that 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 can be a giveaway. Uh, even way back in the day, like when I was doing my own BBS and things like that, when there were real-time chat rooms, you could tell. I, I mean, it was only like three or four people, and you got to know them really well, but you could tell by typing speed who, who the person was. This is not surprising to me at all. Yeah, it's called behavioral biometrics. And, you know, we talk about gate recognition and things like that, but I'm a huge, like, World War II nut. Yeah. And... When I was researching, you know, things like Bletchley Park way back in the day, uh, when I was a huge fan of, uh, what was the Neil Stevenson book that you hated? Uh, Crypt Cryptonomicon. Yeah, Cryptonomicon. I hate it. I just, it's no snow crash. So when I, yeah, it wasn't. But when I got into that, you learned that uh, when the telegraph operators in yeah. one part of Germany were talking to other telegraph operators, you learned their, basically what they called their fist. And that was the, how they actually sent the message. So people in England who were trying to replicate them would learn their fist, it, which is the, like their gate, their, their, their finger gate. Yeah, they touched on that briefly in, in that movie that was just out. They did mention that. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, uh, what was that one? With uh, the, Benedict yeah. uh, Cumberbucket. <laughs> but anyway, yes. Yeah, so now they can figure it out if you have, uh, if, basically if you have JavaScript enabled and somebody wants to, put the JavaScript library on there to actually start testing it. And the interesting thing was that they're talking about doing it from password or username and password fields. Mm -hmm. Another reason to get one password. I was about to say, there you go, people. Just yet another reason to have one password because <laughs> there's no way of telling who you are because that shit just pops in there quick. Low Rowhammer. So Rowhammer, Jason. This is, uh, <laughs> this is probably one of the more frightening headlines I've ever seen. Security researchers just revealed a computer vulnerability that's frightening, amazing, and unlike anything else. And uh, by the way, you cannot protect against it. Yeah, you're screwed. You're, at all. Can't protect against this at all. No, you're, you're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> this is... We say this every segment. And every, every episode, every time in this segment, we say we're completely screwed. And then every week somebody comes up with another way that we're completely screwed. It just gets worse. Yes. And so this is basically a memory issue with the physical memory in your computer. And people have figured yeah. out a way to um, flip the bits on subsequent rows of memory to figure out what's happening and do something different. <laughs> um, <laughs> and they, they have figured out how to take control of your computer by using this Rowhammer exploit. And the annoying thing is the chip manufacturers have known about it for years. And they're just starting to maybe figure it out. Maybe that new uh, crossover, whatever RAM, will figure that out. But yeah, but but the thing is, there there can never be a patch for this. The only way that you could ever fix this is if they figure it out and you get new chips. Uh, there are firmware patches that you can get, but nobody's going to do that. So okay. they haven't even bothered with it. Right. Um, yeah, this one is it's it's difficult for people to actually take over somebody's computer. They've only done that in the lab, but they have proven that they can do that in the lab. Yeah. And, you know, if they do it in the lab, then next thing you know, we've got rage-infected monkeys running all over London, and you're screwed. That's true. That mm -hmm. is true. Mm -hmm. It's science. It's just science. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, read this one if you just don't want to sleep tonight. 
That's yeah. about it. Or turn your computer off because it's done. Yep. Well, although, you know, we've already known that people can actually turn your computer on when it's off remotely. Well, that's true, too. So yeah. thank you, Hal. <laughs> so have you ever heard of Black Dart? I have not. So this is a, a military uh, thing that they do every year. They've been doing it since like 2002. Nobody's known about it until uh, 2013. Mm-hmm. But what they do is they come up with things that uh, suck and try and fix them. And this year they're doing drones. Right. They're, they're, they've got a spot down in somewhere in Ventura County. And uh, they've got a bunch of drones that they're flying. And they're having contractors come in and see if they can take down the drones. It's an interesting read because it goes through what the military is trying to do and what the obstacles are with dealing with these smaller drones. They've got like, you know, big drones down to tiny drones. Right. And uh, it's it's a it's a crazy story. I highly recommend this. And the surprising thing is this comes from the New York Post, which I never thought I would link to in this show. (laughs) But the other interesting thing is that there's a dude uh, serving 17 years in prison right now for plotting to pack C4 onto a. uh, basically radio controlled uh plane like you know those jets that they have that they, they do little air shows for i love them i think they're cool as hell but he was gonna put a bunch of c4 on them and uh, fly them into the Capitol and the pentagon and he got busted and went to jail good so there are people out there that are doing the things that we were worried about but fortunately yes. there are people that are trying to to take them down well we'll see we'll see who wins uh, uh you know history is not exactly on our side no, no. So uh, I found an article that was related to the Black Hat Hacker Conference. Uh, there are two security researchers, Runa Sandvik and Michael Auger, who are going to present the results of a year of work hacking on a pair of $1,300 tracking point self-aiming rifles. I thought they were $13,000. 13000 my bad. Yeah, thirteen. these are thirteen grand. Kind of pretty damn expensive, but uh, I'm not a gun guy, Jason, but I was not aware of, and of course I'm now terrified of, the fact that people are making guns that have Wi-Fi. Why? Why? <laughs> Why would you have, the Internet of Things does not need to involve your sniper rifle. Why a why a Wi-Fi? Because that way the, the rifle can actually put the, uh, the video feed from the scope to a spotter's uh, tablet or computer so they can see what's happening. Yes. So if you've got a spotter that's doing your windage and your elevation and all that they can actually help you aim but they don't really need to with this gun because this game this gun is self-aiming you're like okay i'm gonna i want to shoot that so when i'm steady pull the trigger i'm looking at this gun and i'm practically thinking it's self-aware yeah (laughs) this is the the, self-aiming jesus christ this thing is insane uh but uh basically they found out that you can hack into it and you know an anonymous uh, remote hacker can basically take over your gun and do (laughs) do whatever he wants with it well, what I loved about the video yeah. is like they showed you how, okay, I'm aim, I, I locked aim on this target. Mm-hmm. Now the gun is going to shoot the guy next to him. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. Talk about, like, I'd want my $13,000 back right now if I'm trying to take out the president of Bolivia and I shoot his secretary. Yeah, it's good times. I mean, haven't we talked enough on this segment? Obviously, the entire world listens to us. Don't you know that nothing is secure? So please stop putting Wi-Fi on things that can kill people. Yeah. Okay. Like your car, like we talked about last week. <laughs> Everything. Uh, so anyway, this is a, uh, a post in The Guardian mm-hmm. from Thomas Lee. And he has finally come along to our side of thinking. And he's like, in the next couple of years, uh, there's going to be basically a 9-11 style cyber attack. And that is about the only thing that is going to get people to wake up and stop putting Wi-Fi into everything. 
And use one password. But as we learned from the first story in the show, it doesn't matter if you don't put Wi-Fi in it because an air-gapped computer can be hacked too. <laughs> this is why I'm saying that there is nothing that we can do. So just, just do what you're going to do. Yeah. Um, and and uh, my fa- one of my favorite people, John McAfee, has a really good blog, and he has a uh, post called Hack Anarchy out this week. And uh, he's been talking about the Ashley Madison and Adult Friend Finder and all those hacks. Yeah. But basically, he's saying you people need to wake the hell up. Right. Completely wake up because there's nothing that you're going to do without basically tearing everything down to the studs and building it back up. Yeah, that's very true. And that's, you know, when we get down to it, this is what this is why Defcon and, and Black Hat every year just make me smile. Like, OK, I can sleep at night now because I know that if I worried about it, I would never turn on a computer again. I would go like full Unabomber. You have totally come around to my way of thinking. I have actually, it's, it, which, which is scary. It's like I started. I just threw my hands up in the air and said, there, there's nothing I can do. Yep. And if you're Brinks, definitely nothing you can do. Uh, another black or Defcon. Uh, this is a Defcon presentation. Uh, somebody figured out how to hack uh, Brinks' safes in about 60 seconds. Oh, okay. Well, world's safest. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Even Brinks is not uh, immune. So, Right. And uh, I ran across something. I don't even know how, but this is so wonderfully old school and creepy. And this feels so awesomely tin hatty. But then I actually read the whole damn thing. And it's not. It's just scary. Uh, this is a Google slide presentation by John Weissman. And it's uh, linked in our show notes. So go check this out. He is a robotics, NLP, drones, aviation, NASA, USAF research lab. He's worked there. He was fired from Google because they made him work on YouTube ads, as it says on the second or third slide, which is very. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, this is uncovering FBI aerial surveillance. This guy uh, lives out uh, in Eagle Rock, so you know he's over probably at JLP for a while, and he built a little tiny uh, tracking system that uh, basically scans the skies and gets uh, tracking codes from all the planes and helicopters going by, and he started to track all of them. Uh, remember we had talked about that story about uh, how the FBI was using basically just... Right, yeah, they had their own private uh, plane army that's going on doing surveillance, yeah. Plane army that just looks like, you know, your standard Cessnas and things like that. And he started to track them all, and they basically, uh, I don't want to spoil it for you, but yeah, they're doing it. Mm-hmm. Yep, and he has tracked them all, and they're not very bright, uh, because uh, he was able to trace them back to a couple different uh, shell companies that all have the same P.O. Box address. The same, yeah, the same P.O. Box address as the U.S. Department of Defense. Yes. Uh, so there's the Justice Department. I can't remember one or the other. But uh, this is a really terrifyingly fantastic slide presentation that uh, basically just shows that, uh, yes, our government is uh, in the skies all the time doing God knows what. Uh, who knows? Yes. Your tax dollars at work. And yes, it was the U.S. Department of Justice. And yeah, he basically for sixty five dollars, he he built this little device that just tracks transponder signals and he can get different types of data off of different uh you know, aircraft. Yeah. And he just did this for shits and giggles, you know, honestly. And he figured all this stuff out and and, and I love it. Halfway through his presentation, he's like, Oh, maybe those people in the, the, with the tinfoil hats were right. And then he keeps going. He's like, Oh man, they were crap. (laughs) Yeah. That was, that was the funniest thing. He did have a slide saying, am I becoming one of those crazy people that's on YouTube? (laughs) Yeah. No, I I went through this this morning and this is a great find. I have no idea how you found this, but it's awesome. I, I'm me either. And it's, isn't it so gloriously old school? 
I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like some fancy article on medium with rotating backgrounds. This is just a, a Google slide presentation. It's amazing. Yeah. This, this guy didn't spend three months of designer time trying to figure out how to underline a hyperlink like they did on medium. <laughs> anyway. So yeah, we're fucked. Comment of the week. Our first comment of the week comes from Comstock, Ohio. That's the username, not the place. Uh, time to review, he says, with his five-star rating or hers. I have never reviewed a podcast until now. I've listened to about 50 episodes of this one. That would be us. Still going through them all. And compared to several others I've tried, nothing comes close in quality and content. Recently listened to some really bad podcasts that made me appreciate this one even more. I guess it's time to start donating. Bring it on, Comstock Ohio, and we love you. And when you say that you listen to uh, several others that are really bad, that's probably episode one through 100. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, if you've gone back by about 50, I'd suggest you stop now. Stop while you're ahead. Because then we, you know, when we go back in time, we start to be one of those really bad podcasts. We devolve into the lady boys. Yes. Oh, uh, God, that was a hell of an episode. I, I know, but our SEO went through the roof on that one. That's true. Our SEO was amazing on that one. <laughs> Anyways, uh, thanks a lot, Comstock Ohio. And yes, if you'd like to start donating, please feel free. You can visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash GOG. Uh, speaking of which, I had posted a photo of a friend of the show, Fergal. I was out with him uh, the other week, and he used his coin card, which we had talked about more than a few times, to uh, pay, pay the tab at our local watering hole. And I took a photo of that and posted it up on our Patreon page for our subscribers to see the coin in the wild. And uh, Fergal then commented on the photo. Uh, do you think anyone cares? Well, probably not, Fergal, but, uh, you know. It's, we we got to do something here. To we got to do bills. something, and it's the crap we talk about. Uh, by the way, the empty baby bottle alongside the empty Guinness glass makes for a great background. Uh, coin works in 95% of the places I've tried it. I guess it will work in ATMs where you just swipe the card, but not in standard ones that expect to find the raised numbers on the front. Once I get my new phone, I'll continue to use the coin card. It's a good conversation starter at the very least. All right. Well, there you go. Thanks, Virgil. Yeah. A silly hat is a good conversation starter, too, and you don't have to rely on it to pay your tab when you're at a restaurant. I can think of a lot of conversation starters that I didn't pay for nine months before I ever got the product. True that, true that. Thank you, Fergal. Kickstarter in the balls. At the library. I have finished the X series by Peter Kleins finally, and oh. I'm very sad. Aw. Because he's moved on to other things, and I don't know if I'm going to get any more books out of it. But all four of them were amazing, and I highly recommend reading them. They were a ton of fun. The last one was a little different, but it was really good. It took, just took a little while to get going. Okay. So I, I highly recommend it. I can't, can't say anything bad about it. I, I am getting ready to download and consume the first one. Awesome. From Sweden? Where are you downloading it from? From the uh, Amazon store. Not oh, okay. Yes. Amazon.piratebay.com. Anyway, uh, the other book that I read this week is How Adam Smith Can Change Your Life, An Unexpected Guide to Human Nature and Happiness by Russ Roberts. This would be the uh, Invisible Hand, Adam Smith? Yes, the same one. He actually wrote a self-help book before he wrote The Wealth of Nations. Okay. And it this is a uh, somebody who, this, this guy, Russ Roberts, um, who I'll, I had to read this for work, actually. But funny thing is, Tim Ferriss sent me a copy of this like months ago, and it's been sitting on my nightstand. Mm -hmm. And then I, it, I had found out I had to interview Russ Roberts, and I'm like, oh, I guess I should read his book. Turns out his book's really good. 
He okay. takes Adam Smith's book and just distills it down for how to like live in the modern age using Adam Smith's principles. And they are surprisingly similar to everything that we deal with. They dealt with, they dealt with technology that was run amok, dealt with stupid people. Everything is the same, but it's just had flowery language that you couldn't comprehend. So Russ has gone through and actually made it comprehensible. Okay. That sounds pretty interesting, actually. I do remember uh, uh, there's quite a lot of Adam Smith stuff that uh, I wholeheartedly agree with. So I'd love to hear someone take his ideas and, and transfer them to the modern age. That'd be interesting. Cool. Well, I'll let you borrow my hardcover edition because I read it in hardcover. Fantastic. I do love a hardcover book every now and then. Mm-hmm. I finally finished the the other book that I was working on that uh, I took a break from to read the very disappointing book. Uh, Oh, God, what the hell was that? Armada. Armada, yes. I took a break from reading one disappointing book to go read another. The disappointing (laughs) book that I was reading was, unfortunately, the third book in the Nexus arc by Ramez Nam uh, called Apex. I loved the first one called Nexus. The second one was okay. The third one... uh, Phoned it in? Not so much phoned it in. This is a typical problem that... that, uh, younger sci-fi authors have or or maybe even not very good sci-fi authors i don't know the first book introduces an incredibly interesting premise that is kind of technologically based and that is super super interesting and that makes the book really good they've had a little bit of success so they want to keep the story going unfortunately once you've 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 introduced the main concept and and shown the problems with it now you've got to do character development or do something interesting with act- with the actual characters, and that tends to fall short. And that definitely happened. The second book was still pretty good because the technological aspect was taken from the personal to the kind of global. But by the third book, where it's just your main characters running around and you're supposed to care about them, and you don't because the author isn't really good at developing characters. Well, that's a bummer. Yes. But that's why I would like to recommend the X series by Peter Kleins, because by the fourth book, you really care about the characters. All right. So we have talked, you have talked about Peter Klein's and his X series for about five podcasts now. So we're done. Yes. So. Yeah. Well, I started with fold and then moved into it. So Peter Klein's is now <laughs> on the back shelf. Yes. Except for the fact that I'm going to start reading them now. <laughs> gotcha. Software, apps, and gadgets. I am going to be going to uh, Europe a little bit later on in the year. And uh, that means a very, very long flight. And I needed to get a new set of uh, noise-canceling headphones. And I wanted in-ears so I could use them for for other things as well. So I got the new Sennheiser CX5.00i in-ear canal headset. And um, I've had it for about two days now. It is friggin' fantastic. I love these. I'm basically trashed my old iPhone white headphones. I'm not using them at all anymore. Except safety point when I go on a bike ride because the uh, noise canceling on these things is damn good and I can't hear anything when I'm out on a bike ride and I almost died. So. <laughs> By a Prius? <laughs> Probably, although they're silent but deadly, so I'm not sure if it would have mattered too much. But yeah, these these are really, really good. I can't recommend them enough. Uh, as you know, I'm a big Sennheiser fan. I'm wearing my HD 280 Pro headphones right now and I wear them all the time for the podcast and they're probably one of my favorite set of uh, decently priced studio headphones and uh, these black in-ear headsets uh, this is now top on my list uh, they're they're really good I can't recommend them enough oh that's cool I'm gonna have to try a set because I'm, I'm still using the the Apple headphones that came with my 
uh, iPhone because finally they made a you know an in ear earbud that actually fits in my ear, not that yeah. round thing. These new ones I like, but um, I keep breaking them. They're, They're not very sturdy. No, they aren't. I, I've I've broken a handful of them as well. So these are, these are really sturdy, and the noise canceling feature on them is is fantastic. I actually can't wait to try them out on the plane and see how well they do. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, the sounds really good. I, it's uh, music sounds a uh, hundred times better than uh, off the Apple headsets. So oh, too bad. I'm I'm flying in the morning, and I don't think I can get same day delivery on them. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, bummer. Yeah. Uh, and for software, I couldn't help but notice that Facebook has kind of quietly started to try to launch an actual events area called events. It's at events.fb.com because uh, events in Facebook has always been uh, the great promise, but uh, it never actually works really well. So it looks like they're trying to do a huge revamp of the functionality, which would be fantastic if it actually works. Uh Thus far, all I can tell is they spent quite a lot of money on creating videos that don't tell you much about how it actually works, but shows really happy people getting together. Ooh, let's, I love shiny, happy people. Mm-hmm. Okay, quick update on the headphones. Mm-hmm. Amazon has been doing this recently, and I love this. I just threw it in my cart to see you know, what kind of delivery options they had for the headphones that you just uh, pimped on the show. And I used your link, so you're going to get a kickback. Free, free same-day delivery. <laughs> Awesome, man. No, these are really good. I think you're going to like them a lot. Awesome. Yeah, well, I'll have a, a follow-up review next week. So, Stick. yeah, this this Amazon same-day delivery. I get some dude that comes up in a Pinto at like 9 at night and, <laughs> and throws it on my porch. But, hey, who cares? It's free. That's true. And they can't screw things. Well, they can screw things up, but hopefully not as bad as El Torito's. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and- head- headphones, I don't care if they ca- they carry upside down and sideways. It's the it, Anything with refried beans, then you have a problem. That's where it becomes a problem, yes. Uh, and in free software news, uh, Windows 10 rolled out as of yesterday, and I spent uh, the better part of the morning installing it, and I'm running it right now. It's fine. Uh, well, everybody that I saw on Twitter was like, uh, I didn't realize it was going to take all day to update, and we're late for the show because it wouldn't boot fast enough for you, so how fine I, is it? I did not have the all-day-to-update problem. It actually only took me about an hour and 20 minutes to do the full update. But I was running. Yeah, that's not bad for a full system update. No, I don't think that's bad at all. So I I understand. I did see that other people were having much, much more problems. But I run a pretty standard and pretty secure Windows. I was running Windows Seven, and you know, it was a pretty simple update for me. It did not take long at all. Uh, Seems really stable. My one, yeah, my one problem with it right now is I hadn't even rebooted it at all yesterday since it started running. I did right before we started the show, and it took quite a while. (laughs) So we started a little bit late because I was like, "Come on, let's launch already." Uh, it's very stable. It's, it seems to be a really nice, I mean, it doesn't look too different than windows seven did. You have, obviously they're trying to do one integrated, uh, software for everyone now. So there's all these things that, you know, would work great on tablets or things like that. You see some of the windows eight style stuff, but you can pretty much hide most of it and just run it like your old operating system, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, it's great so far. I can't complain. Okay. Well, fortunately, when I come over, I'll be able to use your Wi-Fi because Windows 10 does share your Wi-Fi information with your contacts, and I am your contact. (laughs) Does it really? I did not notice that. Uh, Yeah. Check out Krebs on Security. This has been going around for a while now. It's called Wi-Fi Sense. And uh, if you opt in, you can even share your Wi-Fi credentials. It's actually a a hash of your credentials to, right. to any of your Facebook friends. So when they come over, they can automatically get onto your uh, Wi-Fi. 
Actually, I don't mind that. Okay. It's, I mean, it is just two friends and contacts, right? Yeah. I mean, and you keep your, your Facebook, you know, contact list pretty, uh, pretty tight. But if you were somebody who was just, you know, like an author who has 5,000 fans, they can come with, you know, a cantenna and sit about a mile away and just snoop your <laughs> Wi-Fi. Okay. Yeah, that's true. So is there a way to shut that off? Let's see. Yeah. Yeah. Six, uh, so. But this is uh, no different than even when an, when an Apple operating system comes out. Then all of a sudden it's like, oh, look at all the things that they, they opt you into that you probably didn't know about. So here's how you turn things off. Yeah, but sharing my Wi-Fi credentials is something completely different. Like at my house, I've got two networks. I've got a guest network for friends that come over, and I have a private network for me. Right. So Anyway. Anyways, I don't mind Windows 10 so far. Uh, there's a pretty decent review on it. Uh, off Recode that uh, we've linked to in our show notes. Walt Mossberg reviews it, uh, take a step back to move forward, which is exactly what they did. Windows 8 was a travesty, and Windows 10 is kind of skipping back to Windows 7. So, Yeah, Windows 7 was solid. I liked it. Oh, it was my favorite operating system of all time. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you've heard me sing the praises of Windows 7 forever. Um, and this seems to be pretty similar. I have not played around with the new browser too much called Microsoft Edge. I will say that that thing launches in two seconds. Um, so they've definitely rebuilt that engine and it's pretty damn fast, but, uh, I've used it to surf around on a couple different sites. I haven't deep delved into it at all, but, uh, it's, it's fast and thank God that's not internet explorer anymore. And every website I've looked at seems to be working fine uh, as opposed to internet explorer. <laughs> Two seconds seems to be a long time. Cause it's about a third of a second on uh, Yosemite on my, my computer. Uh, that was, Chrome. I didn't actually time it. That was kind of just more, a. it's very fast. A colloquialism. Yes. So we, we kind of made fun of the MacBook when it first came out. The, we called it the one port wonder. Yes. With the, uh, you know, the USB-C connection. Mm -hmm. I'm trying it out. Okay. I'm putting my money where my mouth is because I have to travel and I don't want to lug my 15 inch MacBook pro, which weighs a ton. Right. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll give this a shot. I got, you know, two weeks to try it out and return it. If I don't like it, mm -hmm. it's, it is so light. It's ridiculous. There are a couple issues I have with it just where the keyboard layout is because I'm used to certain things on the MacBook Pro where you can pick it up from the side and not hit any keys. The keyboard goes edge to edge on this thing. So there are like a couple spots you have to train yourself to pick it up from a couple different spots so you start hitting escape or typing and stuff yeah. and it's a mess. That would drive me nuts. Took me a day. <laughs> now I'm used to it. Um, I love it. It's amazing. It's gorgeous. It's got a 12-inch screen, super retina. Um, fairly fast, eight gig of RAM. I got the 256 model, so I've got two, a 256 gig hard drive on it. I can't do any audio recording on it because there is no way to plug in a Thunderbolt device. Yeah, that's which is no, it's not a problem. I, that's why I have a 15 inch MacBook Pro. So that's well, that. Now, it's if you have two computers, yes, 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 this is a first world problem. I, I understand that 100. percent but when I travel, I don't want to lug that, but I need to be able, if there's an emergency, to SSH into my servers and fix them, you know? And you can do that with an iPad, and I've done it with an iPad, but it is a, a suboptimal experience. So I'm giving this thing a shot. I'll give you the full write-up next week to see if I kept it or not. Uh, right. But I'm going to take it on this trip uh, tomorrow to Chicago, and we'll see how it works out. But so far, I like it a lot. It's, it is almost lighter than my iPad Air with the case on it. Wow. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Two pounds. It's ridiculous. And I, I mean, I could have gotten an air, which has all the ports, you know, and the whole nine yards with that. It probably would have been about the same price, but I'm like, uh, eh, I'll give it a shot. Why not? Yep. 
That's why that's why we have return policies. That's that's true. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to get a pro. I'm not going to be able to get away with one of these. But uh, I just out of curiosity, I did place it into my Amazon cart. Uh, unfortunately, I cannot get it same day, but I can get it tomorrow. Yeah, that's insane. I, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should get it tomorrow. Well, no, I need I need a pro. I can't. I couldn't get away with this. Oh, you put the 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 MacBook into your cart. You should. Yeah. Get, yeah. To see if I could get that same day. Yeah, I just walked into a store and bought it. Yeah, like well, like old school. And I, I got to laugh at all the people standing around the watch cases with nobody wanting to try them on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those things are ridiculous. Media Candy. I am uh, not part of the YouTuber generation. Uh, I don't <laughs> really. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't have noticed. But even, you know, even being uh, an Internet guy like you and I are, it's just I've not gotten into any of these youtube shows and uh, and i shouldn't because they are for young kids yeah because you're not 12 in fact friend of the show fergal's daughter is very into youtube culture and loves some of these people and all that sort of stuff and yeah she's quite young so uh i ran across this article on vice there is a new youtuber magazine called oh my vlog and it makes me feel a thousand (laughs) years old now I encourage everybody to go to the link, which is in our show notes, grumpyoldgeeks.com, to see the cover. It is basically Tiger Beat, except technologically styled. That's the one I was trying to think of, Tiger Beat. Yep. It's Tiger Beat. So I don't understand the issue with this because this has always been. This is just an update on it. It is no different than Tiger Beat. And yes, looking at it makes me feel a thousand years old, as would looking at a Tiger Beat. The thing that drove me crazy is the uh, writer of this article, Joel Golby. Uh, again, he said it makes him feel a thousand years old. Uh, he's 28. Yeah, kiss my ass. So he makes me feel a thousand years old. Yeah. And the first uh, most popular article I see on the sidebar here when I look at the site also makes me feel a thousand years old. How to have one night stands in your 20s is the title. I is how different is it than it's no different than having one in your forties or in your teens. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Then I can read the article. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Might learn something. Hey, you know, knowledge is power. Jason. (laughs) Yes. Knowing is half the battle and then getting somebody to come home with you is the other half. That's the tougher one. Really? Um, Breaking news as of this morning, uh, Top Gear's Clarkson, Hammond, and May have announced who they are finally going to be making their new show for. Drumroll, uh, please. Shockingly, it's Amazon. I did not see this one coming. I didn't either. Um, I'm happy that my Netflix stock is still doing really, really well, but uh, I was I, my decision as to if I was going to get more or not was to entirely based on the assumption that these guys would be signing with Netflix. Now that they're not, it, it makes sense for Amazon. Amazon is making a big play now. Yeah. And we put them in, in the contenders when this mm-hmm. originally happened as one of the, you know, one of yeah. the companies that was going to be flying over with all the bags of monies. Yes. And uh, turns out they had more monies than Netflix, which does not surprise me at all. No, Amazon, of course, has more money than Netflix, but uh, I really did think that uh, Netflix was going to make the play, and that seemed to be the prevailing wisdom. Uh, but uh, no, they're they're going with Amazon, so I guess I'll be keeping that Prime membership. Oh, absolutely. No, yeah. I love my. I mean, I love my Prime membership anyway because I get headphones the same day, like, yes. a, like a privileged fuck that I am. Uh, but now I get to watch cars that I can't afford. Maybe oh, that's what they're going to do. So you watch, you watch the new whatever unnamed show is going to be. And then there's going to be a one-click buy for the Aston Martin that they just reviewed on the show that week. Of course there is. There's going to be one-click buys for anything they even basically mention. Yeah. But uh, uh, fine with that. Dude, I cannot wait for this. I cannot wait. 
Because you know how much money that they're going to have to do that show. Oh, yeah. The budget's going to be, they're going to get a ridiculous budget per episode. There's no doubt about that. So this is going to be really good. And I think that there probably will be a bit more of a USA focus. I'm not sure how I feel about that, but we'll see. We'll see. I mean, yeah, we just got to wait for it. I really hope, though, that they had enough money to get the film crew away from the BBC that Top Gear had because their film crew was one of the best in the business. I don't say anything about the crew, but they are the, the, the executive producer, Andy Willman, who quit with them is, uh, is going to be executive producing this as well. So I'm sure, you know, crews aren't tied to contracts with things. So, oh yeah, definitely. They're tight enough. They'll get the same crew together. So that'll be fantastic. I really looking forward to it. So they, uh, they're speculating or they're basically saying, uh, we'll be getting shows in 2016. Awesome. I cannot wait. So uh, I've been listening to a new album that I found, which is not a new album. It's uh, Rammstein's Rare Tracks from 94 to 2012. This was like getting a new Rammstein album since they haven't done one in so long. And I love it. It's got some really cool older stuff that I'd never heard before because that's why they're rare. And uh, if you're a Rammstein fan, go check this out. I put a link to the Spotify album in our show notes. I actually just uh, canceled my Spotify subscription. What? What? Well... I decided to not be stupid. I'm getting Apple Music for three months for free. Why am I going to pay for Spotify? Now, if Apple Music doesn't solve their problem at the end of the three months and I can never use my desktop system because of my library, then I will cancel that and then go back to Spotify. But See, I'm not- I've, yeah, I've already canceled my I, I canceled the resub on my Apple Music because I'm not using it because it doesn't work with the $1,000 Sonos system I have in my house. Spotify <laughs> does. So does Pandora. So those two stay. Sorry, Apple Music, you still suck. I yep. loved you. I loved you at the beginning. Great catalog, but you don't work with anything. And half the time, you just don't work. Yeah, that's they're going to have to solve that. So wait and see. We'll be talking about it a lot more, I'm sure. Uh, sadly, I fear. The web's not dead! Oh, no, it's not I found an article on the Washington Post. Remember them? Vaguely. Yeah, I thought that was going to be the bastion of new media since Jeff Bezos bought them, but uh, eh, hasn't. No, it hasn't really happened. But there's a great article called An Expert's Must-See Guide to Half a Million Amazing Historical Videos the AP Just Put Online. Yeah. I didn't know about this until I ran across this article, but the AP has put literally over a million minutes of video on YouTube. 550,000 videos. And this is kind of like a best of list. Um, and they're amazing. I can't wait to just kind of, kind of go dive into them. Yeah, they're, they're very, very cool. And, and thanks a lot, AP, for basically drastically increasing Google's worth again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of these are, are really, really cool. Uh, some of the stuff I've had, even just the, you know, kind of the top hits in this article, I haven't actually seen some of these videos before i was a little disappointed though that the uh the fall of the berlin wall video does not include any of the hoff no hoff no hoff it is hoffless you're gonna have to go somewhere else for your berlin hoff closing shout outs i'd like to give a shout out to resistance pro wrestling that's about it (laughs) now i'm going there this weekend i'm celebrating my birthday in chicago and i'll be going to resistance pro wrestling at the barn in Willowbrook, Illinois on Saturday, which would be tomorrow if you're listening to this on Friday. Uh, If you're in town, come out, check it out. Uh, It's a great time, and it's my last Chicago appearance until next year. 
I'm not 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 going on tour anymore. Uh, no more DJing. No, no. Actually, this time I'm taking photos because friend of the show MXV can't even lift his camera yet. So we got a new DJ and I'm going to be shooting the photos. Ah, very cool. So, yeah. And having a lovely barbecue with my family for my 44th birthday. You old Mm. man, you. Oh, God, it's starting to go. Hey, man. But since I moved back to California, I have lost as of this morning, 15 pounds. Congratulations. Yes, I, 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 you know. I don't give credit to anybody but me. God damn it. I was going to give credit to Tim Ferriss's diets and all that stuff and his teas. And you know what it is? Eat healthy, exercise more. Exactly. All that stuff is just bullshit that kind of sort of slightly helps just a little teeny bit. Pushes the needle a notch. Just needle, not even a notch. It's just kind of, it's like farting in the wind. Yes, it is diet masturbation. Pretty much. Anyways, uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, Jason. Happy birthday, man. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, Happy early birthday. So when you come back, we will have to uh, get together and have some drinkages. I think we need to do another live show. Okay. Well. Cast of three. Cast of three. That's it. (laughs) All right. Yeah, let's do a live show and uh, have a few drinks when you get back for your birthday then. Sounds Uh, good. A shout out to Ikea, which actually does some pretty damn good kitchens, but it's going to ruin my weekend because I'm doing a kitchen remodel that starts as of uh, Saturday. So I've got to empty my kitchen and uh, then the fun truly begins. That's when the fun starts. It's going to be a friggin' nightmare, but uh, it'll be nice when it's done. So yay. And I increase value of my home, which I, you know, I need to increase the values with the underemployments. It's always about increasing shareholder value. Exactly. I'm increasing shareholder value in my Santa Monica condo. Well, thanks for listening. I am Jason DeFilippo, and you can find out more about me at jpd.me. And I'm Brian Schillmeister, and you can follow me on Twitter at SlenderFungus. Until next time. Grumpy Old Geeks is a fan-supported show. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash GOG. We really appreciate your support. If you don't want to or can't donate but still want to support the show, please go to grumpyoldgeeks.com slash iTunes and leave us a few words and five stars or tell a friend about the show. Music for the show is provided by Andy Strachansky. You can follow Andy at twitter.com slash houseofandy, and he's also on SoundCloud at grumpyoldgeeks.com slash Andy. Show notes for all the links discussed in this episode can be found at grumpyoldgeeks.com slash 121. Jump in my car. I want to take you home. There you go. What the fuck was that? David Hasselhoff, man.